How's everybody doing? Great to see you here in this room. Those of you who are worshiping with us online, really glad to be with you. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, really happy to be with you today. Um, so, confession for me, I, my garage is really full of stuff. I've been looking at it, because it's that time of year when you're starting, like at least for me, gotta be looking at that, planning how to get the stuff back in, right? So, um, in our garage, we have two cars, which they take up most of the space. I've got like 16 feet of shelving that's all taller than me, full of stuff. Um, I use like two of those little shelves that stuff I use on a regular basis, but I got a lot of stuff in there. And it's just stuff we've accumulated over the years. I've got a cabinet that's taller than me that is, it's probably, I don't know, five feet wide, full of stuff we have. And um, I'm sure at some point I'm gonna need what's in there if I could find it, figure it out, what's in that cabinet. Um, Got my snowblower, got my mower, got a generator, some stuff that we actually use, got a couple bikes that we really enjoy. I have all this stuff. And so it's been, like this weekend's a really nice weekend, and so one of the things that we're doing at our house is it's time to bring all the stuff that's on the patio in the backyard into the garage so that it can weather in the garage instead of the backyard. And as I'm looking at this, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, how, how does it all fit? How does it all fit? I have this idea. What if, what if we just like move one of the cars out and let a car winter outside so that all the stuff can just stay in the garage? And I don't hold that idea very long because it's like our cars are, like our cars are probably the, at least two of the most valuable possessions that we have, like the most expensive possessions and really they're the most necessary possessions that we had. And it's just kind of silly to think about letting a bunch of stuff, a lot of it, I don't even really know where it's from or what it does anymore, like let a lot of that stuff push some of our most valuable and most needed possessions out into the weather for Minnesota winter. And as I was processing that, I'm thinking like, that's kind of a metaphor for, for what I do, I think probably what a lot of us do in our lives. We've got a lot of stuff that is just, like our lives are full of stuff. And, and we let that stuff push the most important part of us, our soul, out into the elements, and when our soul gets pushed out into the elements, then we end up with a soul that is drying up and cracking and shriveled and unhealthy circumstance for us, situation for us. So we're launching this weekend a series for the next several weeks. We're gonna talk about healthy habits. And, and the first one, and I'm excited to talk with you about this, the first healthy habit is to, is to mind your soul, to pay attention to your soul. And that's really what I'd like to talk with you about this weekend is that how that we can pay attention to our soul. And I really wanna push on this a little bit for how we let the stuff pile up and accumulate in our lives so that our souls end up out in the elements. So Mark Bailey, who's former president of Dallas Theological Seminary, which is where I went to school. I had Mark as a professor and then he was president of the school. He wrote this a few years ago. He says, many of us have experienced the crash and almost all of us have seen it in others. Physical, emotional, mental exhaustion, along with doubts about our competence, our contributions. Maybe we're critical, depressed, lethargic. And first time I read that, almost 10 years ago now, I, was, um, I had not crashed yet, but, but I was close. And I was close enough to it that I could see it coming. 
And, and I don't know where you are as you read those words, but you know, maybe you've experienced that crash. Maybe you're, maybe you're living in it now. Maybe you're like I was a decade ago when, like, okay, I, I haven't hit the crash yet, but like, I can see it from here. It's coming to me if, if something doesn't change in my life. And, and what I'd like you to know, if that's you, like if, if that resonates at all with you, that I got good news. Like God has something, he has something better for you than that, he has something more for you than that, that this is, this is not an experience that you have to endure, you have to have, there's, there's a different way that you could live your life so that this crash thing that you've maybe seen, maybe experienced, you've definitely seen it in others so that this doesn't have to be part of who you are and, and your history, your story. So there's this wisdom statement that kinda I wanna start the conversation with this, there's this wisdom statement is it is do less and be more, right? You've heard this, we're, we're human beings, we're not human doings, and if you look at most of our lives, the way we go about our life, it, human doing is probably a, a fair statement about us. We, we have so much stuff going on in our lives, and so question I'd like us to consider for a moment is, say, like, why do you have so much stuff going on in your life? And the quick answer to that for me is because there's a lot of stuff going on, right? I mean, there's, there is a lot of stuff going on in our world right now, and so that's, maybe that's why you'd say I have a lot of stuff going on is because there's so much stuff going on out there. But I think if we would explore this for a minute, there's probably, there's probably a deeper answer for each of us. And so I just wanna offer you some things to think about, like maybe why there's so much stuff going on in your life right now, because if there's a lot of stuff going on in your life, odds are pretty good, your soul's been pushed out into the elements, and, and that's not a healthy place to be. So, so here's a few ideas for why you might have so much stuff going on in your life. The first one, in our culture, busyness is a virtue. Okay, busyness is a virtue in our culture. If you are important, you're busy. And if you're not busy, then there's this idea that you're not important, and it's really hard for any one of us to, to admit to ourselves or someone else that like we're not important. And so in our culture, what our culture whispers to us is that, hey, busyness is the virtue, and if you're gonna be important, then you've gotta be busy. This week I was looking, there are, there are so many wikis, there are so many BuzzFeed articles, there are so many blogs out there that give you ideas for how to look busy even when you're not busy. And it's not just like at work if your boss is standing there. It's, this is because busyness is a virtue in our lives and important people are busy. Here are some ideas for how you could look busy even if you're not. And so like, that's, I think this is something to think about. It's like busyness is a virtue for us in our culture and because of that, it, we let a lot of stuff begin to happen, pile up, accumulate in our lives. Another reason, maybe for you, you got a lot of stuff going on, we're people pleasers. Maybe you're a people pleaser. You, you're, you're doing best in life when people are happy with you. You know, Maybe it's somebody that is close to you, somebody in your family, somebody you know or you love, or maybe it's just some random stranger that you've bumped into at the grocery store, but, but you feel good when other people are happy with you. And if you're a people pleaser, then that puts you in a situation where you've gotta have a lot of stuff going on because there are a lot of people in your life and to keep all of them happy, you've gotta be, like you've gotta have a lot of stuff happening. So many things are going on because I've gotta keep the people in my circle 
happy with me. Sometimes we get, like we get a lot going in our lives because we can't stand the quiet. I don't know if this is you, there's, it, it is a, it's a hard thing to be alone sometimes with, with yourself, with your thoughts, with the accusations from your past or from your present, with the worries and concerns of future. Often in the quiet is where, where guilt and shame and condemnation, where those, those sorts of things surface in our lives. And if, you, if that's what quiet does, you know, if you, that's where your heart and mind goes when it gets quiet, like <laughs> maybe that's the reason that you, you just allow your life to get so full and overfull is because you just can't stand it being quiet because of what happens inside of you when, when everything settles down. And then this, this last one, just as we think, like there's just some great stuff out there, right? I mean, why is there so much stuff going on? Because there's some great stuff to be part of out in our world. There are things to do, there are people to know, there are experiences to have. Like there are a lot of really cool things that are going on out in our world. And so some of us are just, our lives are full because we're trying to live life to the fullest. And, and I am not advocating somebody having a life that's less than. I think you ought to have a full, vibrant life. I don't think God offers anything less to us than that. But what we have a tendency to do is to overfill our lives. And we overfill our lives with things. Some of them are good, some of them are hard, some of them we choose, some of them get thrust upon us. But we have these overfull lives and our culture tells us that this is the way. And this is the only way. And so we overfill our lives and, and our kids overfill their lives and we contribute in that and we end up in this, like we're just, we're running, running on the go all the time. Our lives are so full and when our lives get so full, the thing that we all do, this is the human condition, the, things that, the thing that we all do is we push our soul, that deepest part of who we are, we push our soul out into the elements. And so I wanna show you a few things from the scripture today that I think will help you if you're, if you're engaging here right now and thinking, man, I have, a, I have a really full life and I'm not really sure where my soul fits into all that. I think this will help you take some next steps back to, to healthy in, in your life and in your spiritual life. So let me show you this Bible verse, Genesis chapter two, verse seven. This goes back, this is the creation account. This is, this is the Bible's explanation. This is God's story of how it all started. The Bible begins with answering the big question of our life, like where do we come from, right? How do we get here? And, and the answer to that is God created the first human being, Adam, first man, created him out of the dust. And God took his hand and formed Adam out of the dust. So Genesis chapter two, verse seven says, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So this is, this is where we all started. This is, this is how we came into existence. We were formed from the dust, and then God breathed into us his breath of life so that we became living beings. And so what this tells us is that we are spiritual beings. And this is, this is what you have to know. You are a spiritual being, and you have a soul that needs care. So you're a spiritual being, and you have a soul that needs care. Our bodies, they were formed from the dust, and they will return to dust. Now, I'm, I'm, not, 
I'm not dismissing the importance of our human bodies. I'm like the Bible, it, the Bible holds up the value, tells us that we are supposed to honor God with our bodies, we glorify him in it, we're supposed to take care of him. Our bodies are temple of God the Holy Spirit. So I'm not, I'm not dismissing the importance of our physical body at all. But we have this physical body that is what we look in the mirror and this is what we see and when you think about yourself, like this is the image that comes to mind, what you see in the mirror. You have your physical body and you have the breath of God breathed into you. You are a spiritual being as well. And that spiritual side of you needs care. And it's that spiritual part of you. Like this is the deepest part of who you are. This is, this is like the part of you that was, was formed to be in relationship with God. This is the part of you that was formed to be in relationship with other people. This is, your soul is, is who you are. And, and so I'm not, like, I'm not advocating that we forget about our, our physical bodies, but I would hold out to us that, that we ought to give, like the part of us that's gonna die and go into the ground and return to dust, there's a part of us that's gonna live forever. And we ought to give as much concern and as much care to the part of us that's gonna live forever as we do to the part of us that's gonna die and return to dust. Your spiritual being and your soul needs care. As we think about our soul needing care, where my mind runs in all of this is to the 23rd Psalm. It's the shepherd's psalm, written by the ancient king of Israel, his name is David. And there are two images in this psalm that are part of, it's a poem, it's a song that, that were part of his life, that were part of his experience. One is a shepherd with his sheep, and the second one is a king with his people. David was both of those things. And as he writes through this 23rd Psalm, he writes from those two images, but what he's writing about, all of it points us to Jesus. Because you know the 23rd Psalm, it's very familiar in our culture. You've heard it, if you haven't heard it in a church, maybe you've heard it at a funeral, you've heard somebody read it in a crisis time, it starts with the Lord is my shepherd. And all of that is pointing us towards Jesus. Jesus made this statement about himself, it's recorded in the Gospel of John chapter 10, one of the things he said about himself, he says, I am the good shepherd, I'm the good shepherd. And he was sort of raising his hand because the people he was talking to, all of them knew that 23rd Psalm. They all, they all knew that the Lord is my shepherd and that was one of the things that they recited as part of their worship and Jesus is raising his hand and saying, hey, you guys know that Psalm and you know all those amazing things in that Psalm, guess what? It's talking about me, I'm the good shepherd. And in Hebrews, a little later in the New Testament, there's this identification of Jesus as the author of Hebrews is writing that and he says, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. And just raising up his, his worth, his value, his ability, like I'm the great shepherd of the sheep. And then Peter, who was one of Jesus's first followers, those 12 guys that walked around with him, when Peter's talking about Jesus in his letter, 1 Peter chapter two, he says, you were like sheep going astray. Right, and everybody who reads that letter, he says, you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. And I just love that, I love that title and that identification for Jesus that he is, he is the shepherd of your soul. I think it's important for you to hear me in this. When we talk about soul care, not talking about self-care. 
Like this, the, this part of you, this, this deepest part of you, your soul, you, you can't really do it, like you can't care for it yourself. You, you have some choices to make in what we talk about and in how your soul is cared. You have some choices to make, but if your soul is gonna be cared for, that is the work of Jesus, who is, he is the shepherd of your soul. So I want us to spend the rest of our time together just kind of making our way through Psalm 23 and recognizing that this is written about Jesus and the offer that he makes to people like you and me who have so much stuff going on in our lives about what, what our life could be like if we, would, if we would come to him and let him care for our souls. So Psalm 23 begins with this statement, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Like that's what we're after. For, for, people, for people like me, who because of all the things, because of all the stuff in your life, that your soul has been pushed out into the elements and, and you've experienced that, that shrinking and the shriveling of that deepest part of who you are. What, what is promised to us in Jesus is he refreshes my soul. So if you're, if you're gonna experience that, that, that shriveled deepest part of you coming back alive, like this, this is where it happens. This is the one who, who will care for you. He is, he is going to refresh your soul. He refreshes my soul. The Lord's my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. The right paths. There's so many paths. There's so many options. There's so many opportunities and you you say yes to all of them, you find yourself scattered all over the place, and this, this shepherd promises to, to guide you along the right paths, the paths that are right for you, the paths that are right for those who are around you, the paths that are right for your family, the paths that are right for your place and your workplace, our culture, our society. He guides me along the right paths. And as we're reading through this psalm, now what happens, so the psalmist, David, has been telling us about this shepherd, about his experience with this shepherd. Now he, now he changes and he begins to speak directly to the Lord. And he says, he says some amazing things and he kinda, he shifts the image now. He's no longer talking as like he's a sheep and the Lord is his shepherd. He's, he's moved the image a little bit and now he's, he's talking like the subject of, of a king. And he says this, he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So this image shift, that darkest valley, he's talking about this. So, so David, he'd been a shepherd, he's riding as a king. Kings were protectors of their people, leaders of their armies. And I think this psalm was written David isn't a little young shepherd boy sitting on a green grassy hillside looking at sheep. I think David is an older guy who's lived a lot of life and experienced the faithfulness of God. He's a king, 
He's sitting outside his tent. And he's on a hillside surrounded by the army of the nation of Israel. And there's a valley, and he's looking across the valley at the army of one of their nation's enemies. And it's night, and he knows that tomorrow we're walking into that valley. I'm walking into that valley. I'm leading men into that valley, men who have lives and homes and families. I'm leading men into that valley, and we're gonna be met there by an enemy. Even in the darkest valley. If you've heard this talked about before or read from other translations, it talks about the valley, the shadow of death. Even there, when I walk into that darkest valley, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. And he connects the shepherding image. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so there's this, this promise that this shepherd, this shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep, the shepherd of your soul, that there's this promise of his presence in our lives, in the real stuff. And I'm so thankful for these verses kind of switching from green pastures and quiet waters. It's beautiful poetry, right? But it's hard to connect that to real life. And so, so this verse connects it to, like this is the real thing. You and I, like this is, this is what you're gonna walk out of church this weekend and face when the week gets going. Those are the darkest valley kind of stuff. And in those darkest valleys, this shepherd of your soul, he doesn't, he doesn't leave you, he stands with you to, to protect, to comfort, to honor, and to bless you. I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And again, this is, this is now a, a king with his subjects, and in David's day, it was a normal thing for a lesser king to make an alliance with a greater king, and they would, they would formalize that alliance with a meal. And, and in this moment, David, sitting on the hillside, knowing he's facing an enemy who is, who is beyond him and beyond his army and needs protection, sees himself entering into this this formal relationship of protection with this, this one who will be with him and who will prepares before him a table in the presence of the enemy. So now we're out in the open and, and his shepherd of his soul, his God is coming to bat for him. Like in front of everybody, this is, this is about protection. The enemy sees, the enemy knows, the enemy's aware that there's this alliance that's being made that now there's one on their side that's greater than we are, and, and this is what your God offers to you in the presence of your spiritual enemies, because there's an enemy of your soul, and when your soul is out in the elements and uncared for, not only is it shriveling because of the elements, there's an enemy of your soul who is on the attack, and as you allow Jesus to shepherd you, the Spiritual enemies in your life see him come to you, prepare a table for you. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You make yourself known in ways that, that the enemy gets to see. And then on top of that, you anoint my head with oil, and that is, that is just blessing. That is blessing upon blessing. You anoint my head with oil, and you overbless me. My cup runs over. And so there's just this great provision that happens, and then it ends with this statement of faith and of confidence and of hope. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, 
and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is what we want, right? This is what we need. This is what, this is what the Lord offers to us. We were singing that last song, your goodness is running after, it's running after me, and we were singing that, and I was listening to you guys saying that, I was thinking, God's goodness is running after me. I ought to slow down a little bit and let his goodness overtake me. His goodness, his mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And not just follow, but overtake as we allow him to shepherd us because he will shepherd us into what he wants to give to us. So this Psalm, kind of just thinking back through all this stuff, your soul has a shepherd who first of all satisfies, who satisfies. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Like there's, when the Lord shepherds me, I'm not missing out. There's no gaps. There's, there may be hard stuff, but there's, there's no lack of provision, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. We have this shepherd who satisfies. We have this shepherd who refreshes he refreshes my soul, that deepest part of who I am, that part of me that was made to be in relationship with him, made to be in relationship with other people, and there's nowhere else that will refresh my soul. There's no one else who can refresh my soul apart from the shepherd of my soul. And, and so he's the shepherd who refreshes, he's the shepherd who guides. He leads me in the right paths. If you're wondering where to go, if you're wondering what's next, you got umpteen really good options in front of you, or there's some really hard choices that have to be made. You have a shepherd who will guide you in not just a path, but the right path. He's a shepherd who guides. He's a shepherd who protects. In the presence of your enemy, in the presence of your enemy, he will make himself known. He will go to bat for you. He protects you. He comforts you. His rod, his staff, a shepherding image. The comfort is, you're with me. You're with me. And and when you are experiencing his presence, the other stuff, it falls into perspective and it may be huge, it may be hard, it may be smaller, but when he's with you, you know that comfort that he has and he blesses, he anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. That is his blessing upon blessing in our lives. So you have this shepherd who offers to care for, to tend, to mind your soul. So I wanna, I wanna ask you three questions, just questions for reflection. The first one is, is my soul healthy? I think that's a, I think that's a question that, that you should kinda wrestle with, is my soul healthy? And as you think through that, like on the inside, you know, on the inside, do you feel strong today? Do you feel fresh? Do you feel healthy or do you feel do you feel tired? Do you feel weak? Do you feel shriveled? Do you feel like that crash is, is imminent for you? Is my soul healthy? And to, and to be honest with yourself and honest before the Lord, like am I healthy or am I, just kinda, am I just trying to make it right now? Is my soul healthy? Second question, where else am I looking for what Jesus offers me? And you know, maybe you fall into, maybe you're thinking more stuff will somehow satisfy you at this point. And you know, so your path and direction of your life and the pursuit of your life is, is how do I get more stuff? Like how can I get more stuff? Or maybe you have some sort of a habit or some sort of addiction that you look to, to to bring to you what only Jesus 
can give, but where else are you looking for the things that Jesus offers? Maybe you're think, seeking affirmation and blessing in the praise of people instead of that affirmation and blessing of his anointing your head with oil and overfilling your cup, or maybe you're chasing fun and new experiences, trying to be refreshed and restored. But there are a lot of different places that we look for what only Jesus can give, and here's the thing about all those other spots. They work against us, they actually don't work for us. Because all the other things, every place you look, what do they do? They, all those other places, they add more and more stuff to your life. And the more stuff that gets added to your life, the further out into the cold your soul is pushed. And so, so where are you looking for stuff that only Jesus can give? And then the third question, what do I need to walk away from in order to walk with my shepherd? Because if you walk with the shepherd, he will, he really will, lead you beside still waters, lead you into green pastures. He will refresh your soul. And so what do you need to walk away from? The stuff that's in our life. What is, what's in there maybe that's good, but it's not best? What's in there that's just kinda in there and you just, it's just in there because it's been there for so long? What's, what's in there? What's in your life? What kind of stuff have you filled your life with? What do you need to walk away from so that you can walk with your shepherd? Until you walk with the shepherd, you won't experience that freshness that refreshing of your soul. And so I want us to pray about this for a minute together. Would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes with me? In just a minute, I'm gonna pray for us. But before I do that, I'd like to give you a chance to, to voice your prayers from the quietness of your heart to the heart of God. Something like this, you could say, Lord Jesus, <laughs> you're my shepherd. You gave your life for me and I need you to restore my soul. Not exactly sure what it looks like in my life yet, but I'm gonna make time and space for you to shepherd me. Just admitting my need for your guidance, your comfort, your blessing. So Father, I'm praying for myself, for my friends who are here today. We pay attention to our souls. Rescue us, please, from lives that are so full of stuff that our, our souls end up outside to shrivel and wither up. Jesus, would you draw us to yourself? You're the shepherd, you're the overseer of our souls. And and as we move towards you, would you give us the same sort of confidence and hope as the psalmist that surely your goodness and your love will follow us all the days of our lives. We'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We want this for ourselves. We want this for our friends. We want this for our families, for our neighbors, for our community. Thank you for refreshing us. And Jesus, all comes to us through you. Thank you. So we pray these things in your name. Amen. If you need to pray with somebody about 
something that's going on in your life. And it doesn't have to be anything we talked about in here this weekend. It could just be something you need prayer for. Those of you who are here in this room, you can come to the front. We'll have prayer team members down front. For those of you who are online, you can hit the prayer button there and we'll be glad to pray with you. Thank you guys for being here. And I hope, I hope you experience this week the refreshing of your souls. So God bless you. I love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend.